0: Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3cast, my name is Brian, with me as always are Zach and Vince, and we are here with Future State Week 6. We're almost done, guys.
1: Yeah, it's gone fast.
0: It has gone fast. Um, This week, we will talk about uh, no new issues for the second straight time, so let's jump right in here with Dark Detective number 3. The main story is written by Mariko Tamaki and illustrated by Dan Mora. Uh, Zach, why don't you start us off with this?
1: Well, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but um, the art is really good, and I don't particularly care much for the story.
0: Vince?
2: I think the art is extremely good. Uh, Dan Mora draws very cute pop-pops. Um And I think the story, the story is fine. Um, you know, in this, so in this one, it's all about like Bruce f- figuring out that there are these nano drones that are kind of like twenty four seven kind of mapping um, Gotham for the magistrate and kind of the conspiracy behind that. And I-, I think it's good for what it is. We've we've already talked enough about how the the, the magistrate peacekeeper um fascism storyline is kind of limiting in a way that that i think we've seen before um but i think you know especially uh with some of dan mora's art in this there's like a a really good um kind of like paranoia paranoia comic or paranoia film feeling to this um especially with like the the bruce's roommate that's like uh Tin foil hat guy, um, who turns out who turns out to be correct, as these characters always do, you know. Right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm liking this, but it doesn't it doesn't blow me away other than the art. How about you, Brian? Um, so I,
0: I, I, I I've been thinking about how to phrase this since I read this issue. I feel like this is a better comic than the next Batman is in a lot of ways. And I think it, the main way is I think this has really developed a more interesting sort of Gotham setting than the next Batman has. I think that Bruce's roommate and the roommate's daughter, and there's just a, I, to me, this is a better, this I get a better sense of where and when the comic is taking place from just like a storytelling perspective, not I don't care about the timeline or anything like that. Just, you know, I like the mood and the tone it's setting that said nothing happens in this comic so much so that the two Batmen meet each other in this comic and nothing happens when they meet each other. Oh,
2: That's so funny because that's the cover and that's the variant cover. Yes. And and nothing happens. No. Yeah. He like Jace drops in and he's like, you seem like a cool guy. You should stay home tonight. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Like, like, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's literally amounts to just like stay out of my way type thing. Yeah. Um, when they're making it out to be way more than it is for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right, Brian. Um, I think one thing I noticed in this issue in particular, but it's, it's been all over future state, which has me thinking that that was a purposeful editorial mandate or something there are so many times where tamaki's narration kind of repeats a lot of shit we already know like how many times have we heard like the peacekeepers roles in all of this what the deal with the magistrate is you know i feel like they are just hammering, and that's i i don't want to pin that on tamaki because it's happening all throughout future state like i feel like the superman books also have these like uh narration boxes that are like just reminding you this is the this is what's going on in metropolis right now you know or like this mm-hmm. is what happened to S- supergirl and this is why she's not here you know like i feel like future state is a a concerted effort from editorial to really hammer home basic comic book storytelling and basic like um, narrative across multiple series in a way that should be super easy for new readers to digest. But I, th- I almost think it overdoes a lot of that stuff. I mean, it's giving us the same information over and over again. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. Um, I did like the CEO of the of the uh the drone tech uh, corporation. He was playing a, a VR remaster of Lee Carvalho's putting challenge. <laughs> yes, <that>. he was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you have selected Power
2: Drive. Um, <laughs> Zach Zach wanted to say something. I, yeah, I could hear no, his nostrils no.
1: flaring. No, I. That that's a good joke. I I I don't think I. Consciously made that connection, but subconsciously, I know I did. Um. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I
0: just, I just wish that I don't know how much of this is. We, we, I, I'm gonna stop referencing the new 52 at some point, I promise. But <laughs> I just feel like the first couple. Yeah, of when ish- you're in your grave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> sooner than I hope, probably. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, you know, w- when looking at the the first couple of issues of those series so much time was spent on just making sure the readers knew exactly what was happening here is where we are these are the characters you're supposed to care about there was no nuance it was all it's like shoving basic plot down your throat for a lot of times and i feel like that's what these issues are doing too mm-hmm. um but yeah all right uh anything else to say about this first
1: story um i just want to say i do agree with you that this book is better than the next batman okay Thank you for uh, agreeing with me. I just wanted to put that on record.
0: <laughs> I appreciate it. It is going down on the official scroll of the DC3 cast. Uh, so next up, we have the second part of the Grifters story, No Future Past, written by Matthew Rosenberg, illustrated by D. Giandomenico. Vinci, why don't you start us off with this one?
2: Um... Uh... I don't know. Like, I I don't, I I don't really have anything to complain about with this. I think the, the Carmine D D, Gian Domenico art is pretty good. There's a chase sequence that kind of rounds out the second half of this that I think, um, he handles extremely well and, uh, is akin to a lot of his flash stuff and shows like what a good uh, artist in motion he is. Um, as far as the story goes like uh it's 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 trying to do this thing where the characters are all double crossing one another like Huntress is de- delivering a Grifter to Vale but then really it was Luke double crossing Huntress all along using Grifter as bait and then in the end like like the like the magnificent bastard he is Grifter like double crosses luke and then like it's it's fine but i'm not invested enough in any of these characters to like care who's double crossing who i guess um i don't know it was fine it, it, the script is is kind of uh sh- sharp and and pithy um and and funny but I don't know. I wasn't in love with this.
1: I, I I think that this was maybe the closest I've come to like actually hating a future state book. <laughs> really? Wow. Okay. Yeah, I just like I hated the I hated the Luke twist. I thought it was like so poorly handled and like not satisfying or like meaningful at all. Um, it really just came out of nowhere. I, I thought just i i just thought the whole issue was just not good the whole it, it, it was just not good to me um i i like like for all the reasons that vince said but it just rubbed me even you know even in in a worse way so yeah i didn't like this
0: so as usual i fall somewhere between you guys um I would say that the twist was obnoxious it reminded me of when uh i used to watch professional wrestling when i was a little kid and how sometimes <laughs> every now and then somebody would just become a bad guy for no reason like just turn heel like there was just there's a heel i feel like there's just a number of twists that just felt like swerves for swerve's sake and uh-huh. um that's bad so that's that's my first criticism i also think that while I'm a big Carmine fan, I don't think this is his best work at all. I think that when his characters are standing around talking, he can frequently look sloppy and look um, uninspired with his art, and I feel like that's definitely true of the first half of this issue. Um,
2: yeah, yes, I, I'll agree with that. Yeah, I think that I think the action stuff looks really good still, but but yes, I think you're you're right. About
0: yeah. That. Um. So uh, my biggest issue with the. Backups as a whole, and there's a couple that have that have sort of um, bucked this trend, and we'll get to one of those in a little while. But I feel like a lot of these backups are nothing more than so a writer walked into, I guess it was probably still the Dio's office at this point, and said like Grifter and Luke Fox, and they're like, fine, done, and like there there was no idea about what the story is. The the story is the pairing. I feel like that was the cast and um and spoiler story same thing like there's just i I just feel like there's there's not a ton of storytelling reasons to put these characters together it's just like fun pairings um Mm -hmm. and that can lead to good
2: comics but in this case it did not can i I'm, i'm not gonna stick up for this issue because i i didn't like it that much um but can I float something that maybe explains why that might have happened? It, only if you don't say because this was supposed to be something else. Because we say that well, on this show all the time. <laughs> but that is that, that, that is part of it. That is part of it. All right, because, go off. Um, I think you know when you say there's no reason for Luke Fox to 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 do the heel turn here. I think that's true in the context of this individual story, but several months back when we were talking about the next Batman when it was first announced and it was suggest, or and I guess it was when we first found out that it was Tim Fox and not Luke Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason said- Yep. I said something on the show about it would be interesting because Tim Fox's um, history uh, in the DCU, which is not, you know, there. I think he's been in like six or seven issues of DC Comics before Future State. I believe like it's ever. less than. I believe it's less than a dozen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he was like a more. He was like a more militant character um back then, and they kind of. You know, they, we haven't learned enough about what he's been doing. Um, and that's that's kind of the failing of the next Batman because like we've discussed, like we're not learning enough about him as a character other than through other characters. And um, but I think I suggested on the show that it would be interesting if they had uh, Tim taking the the bat mantle and being like a more uh, militant or I don't know. Anarchist is not the right word, but, you know, rebellion resistance type. And then to have Luke Fox be like the um, kind of like the, for lack of a better term, like the fashy one, you know, <laughs> or like the or like the, the, the apple polisher, the butt kisser, you know. And I, so think, like, I think you're
0: going to say like the neolib versus the dirtbag left.
2: Well, maybe. I mean yeah that's another way of putting it you know but like you know were that i I don't know if they intended to go that way there were hints early on that, that that that's what they were intending by having like luke fox be the more straight laced one or whatever um if you developed that more then his like heel turn here would make more sense and it, it would be like a satisfying uh character arc compared to Tim Fox's but they haven't uh, on in any of these books they haven't done any of the work to get there you know that is something that I imagined entirely based on the pitch of the next Batman <laughs> right you know um and that's not enough to get you where you need to go you know
1: so it, would, think... it would be cool if that is in like like maybe the upcoming, digital first book. Yeah. Like the status quo, that would be cool
2: for sure. But then, but then by that time you're like, well, it's, it's almost too late because this was your chance to, you know what I mean? Like right now we're sitting here floundering, wondering why these characters are doing what they're doing or, or wondering why we're not learning more about them. You know? Yeah. I mean,
0: I promise I wouldn't say this is supposed to be something different, but Again, if this is supposed to be the kickoff of these ongoing series, or at least these ongoing stories, then I, I really think that for most of the stuff we're getting, if it's the two-issue format, we're getting issues one and six, and <laughs> everything from two to five was just condensed into like the first half of the second story. really and truly and the pacing really plays that out not so much this week. last week I feel like it was super clear that that's what was happening Um, it's a little bit less this time so anyway um, let's move on to what's next Future State Green Lantern number two the main story written by Jeffrey Thorne illustrated by Tom Rainey Uh, so I was chatting with a fellow Multiversity writer and podcaster, Elias Rossner, last week about sort of his thoughts on Future State so far, and he said that The Flash was his least favorite number one, and I said, oh, you're forgetting Green Lantern, and he said, that book made such little impression on me, I totally forgot how bad it was. And I feel like thats it's hard for a book to be so bad and so forgettable, but number two doubles down on that. This is just as bad and just as forgettable as issue one was. Uh, I really dislike this story. Uh, I think that the idea of there being the Sword of Orion at the end is quite literally the only interesting idea in two issues worth of comic. Uh, This is boring. I don't care. It's bad. I have no affinity for this story whatsoever. Um, Anyone disagree with that?
1: I I do just a little bit. Um, Go off. because Well, I think... This second issue, I agree, is, like, not good, but I think it's not good because we are, like, at the end of a story with no context for any of the characters. Like, we have no attachment to any of these characters aside from, you know, the, the some of the Green Lantern characters like John, And then, like, Orion comes in and has this New Gods twist, which, like you said, is really cool, but, like... Uh, There's just no context for any of this. And so it, it, it just can't be satisfying. But I think with what we learn in this issue, like I can see how there could have been a cool story here if it had been like a, you know, even like a dozen issue run or something like that, you know? Like if we had gotten the 10 issues that came before this and it would have made a lot more sense and maybe we would have cared about the characters and maybe may- maybe, if there was a different artist, no offense to Tom Rainey, I just don't particularly care for his style on this book that much. So yeah, I don't disagree that this issue is not good, but like I can see... I can see the outline of what could have been a cool story.
2: This for sure feels like issues five and six of a six issue mini or, or 11 and 12 of a, of a 12 issue. Like issue one started you off uh, near the end of a story that had been going on. Right. Yes. Yes. And like stories can do that. Obviously like starting in media rest is something that, happens constantly in storytelling and that's totally fine but like to me it's it's so clear that this should have been more because like why how how are we supposed to care about this ken's character like oh yeah she, she this is this is like the culmination of an arc for her that we never saw you know yeah um all unless I mean, it's, it's either bad writing because otherwise she's just this, like um, we're just supposed to know that she's this like rough talking British badass uh, woman. And that is supposed to be enough for us to care about her when she like does the suicide bombing <laughs> or there's an entire arc with her that we completely missed. And I, I tend to think that it's the latter because um, the first issue begins with, with, the reader like supposedly knowing who she is you know and as far as i know she's not an established dc character at all like that was her first appearance i'm pretty sure i believe Um, you're right yeah and so i don't know if she's i don't again like when once future state's over and we get into the actual jeffrey thorn green lantern run who knows if she's a character that's going to exist and we'll see her introduced and then you'll realize that future state was like a possible future with her in it that's totally possible but again this drops the ball by just not breathing enough but again i'm not sure i want to read we said this on the on the last show but like i'm not giving up on jeffrey thorn's green lantern based on this this premise is just dead on arrival and and really couldn't do much to revive it Although I will say like yeah the sort of Orion thing at the very end was cool I actually thought one or two other ideas in the immediate pages before that that were leading up to it were pretty cool like when um the Imps stuff the, the, was the, cool. Yeah, the the Imskian little tiny scientists was a, was kind of a Morrisonian touch um and the the way that they used this like vision of Orion to turn the Vanguard to into following John that little bit at the end, it, it made me just think like, okay, I, I'm not giving up on it, it. It made me, it made me even stronger in my conviction that like Jeffrey Thorne can be a good Green Lantern writer I just don't want to see a Green Lantern story that doesn't have Green Lantern shit in it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. I just don't want that. And I'm, it that that alone doesn't uh, isn't the reason why these two issues are bad, um, but it certainly doesn't help because so much of it is unrecognizable that you you don't even have that you don't even have that good uh, superhero continuity. Canon baggage to bring along that kind of helps you um care about some of this stuff so so yeah i not very good but there were nuggets that just made me think like this guy can do it like i i want his green lantern run to be good so much of this is just that i don't and again this is not
0: fair for us to guess about but here we are um I don't know if he was like – if he walked into Jadillo's office and was like, picture it, pirate Jon Stewart, beard, ponytail, no ring. Like, if that was his pitch, then I'm worried about – those... Yeah, <laughs> then I'm a worried about – artist tomorrow. <laughs> Tom <Brady>. Uh <laughs> Then I'm worried about what's going to be happening with his Green Lantern, because if this is his original pitch, this pitch sucks. If he was told, like, here's what we're looking for. We're looking for a Green Lantern story without the ring's – with John Stewart and a cast of characters you can choose from the, you know, from new characters and Lanterns past, whatever. Then I'm gonna, then I'm gonna buy him a little bit more slack. But until we sort of know that, I'm a little bit uh, reluctant to to be excited for his run because all I know of him is a shit comic.
1: Yeah. You know what? I wonder. I just got this wild idea. This will never happen. This is too crazy. Okay. <laughs> What if like one year into Infinite Horizon, DC does a time jump to like post future state?
0: <laughs> well, th- they won't do that for for like one reason alone, and that's that all the dead characters.
1: What dead characters? <laughs>
0: like, Half the Flash family, all the Titans. Uh... I, don't ma- I don't think it matters. I
1: don't think it matters, and and they it wouldn't be permanent, but like. Or what if we do – what if we get, like – wouldn't it be wild if we get, like, two more months of Future State in January and February of next year?
0: Oh, I'd be all for that. I think and, that's and actually really fun. And it, like, really
1: continues? Fun. That you know would I, be wild. Because I – there's another book that we're going to talk about this week that gives a, the impression big time that we're about to get the backstory to Future State. Yes. Yeah.
2: Well, like, here's the here's what's going to happen. We're we're gonna realize that it was all these people in the the totality observing the possible futures in Future State during their like um you know expedition into the unknown or whatever. And then they're they're gonna figure out that to prevent certain events from happening, they need to alter the future in a way that involves like grabbing the good characters from yes. Future State. You know, they're gonna bring Yara Flor, they're gonna they're going to make some of the titan stuff happen because that those books are really good but then they're going to they're going to circumvent the the tragic events of future state while still getting to collect these good ideas and move forward
0: it's essentially it is the most uh decompressed version of the ultimate universe ever like it took marvel a decade to <laughs> yeah. bring miles morales into the into the main into the 616 this is basically just uh they're gonna they did an ultimate universe in two months and uh they're gonna take what they want from it they're gonna pick over its bones that's right yeah all right well the second story in this issue and that's good by the way yes it is good yes (laughs) i very good uh (laughs) we were uh we, we were sufficiently called out on twitter uh, well, Zach, uh, Zach and I, where Vince was uh, called out on Farmers Only about how we never like an event, but we're always excited for what's coming up next. That's I, comics. Come on. But that—that that is, first of all, it's totally accurate of how we are. Second of all, that is comics. Um, but I was going to say, like, I—I I feel like the most uh, distilled version of our fandom is just like skip the bad stuff, just give us the stuff we want. Um, yeah. <laughs> or, or skip skip everything that isn't exactly what we want. Um, <laughs> Anyway, the second story in this issue is called Dead Space It's
2: read, it's read it all and find the one or two good things
0: <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's the second story in this issue is called Dead Space, uh, written by Josie Campbell, illustrated by Andy Tong This is uh, an unlikely pairing of Mogo and Teen Lantern and um, what I find interesting about these Green Lantern stories is that this is maybe the the title that all of the books are the most like thematically connected all of them deal with the ring with the power battery going out but we never really under we never really are concerned with why that happened we're just dealing with the fallout of it. it it's it's and this is gonna perk Zach's ears right up it's almost like in how in the leftovers how so little time is spent trying to figure out like why the disappearance happened it's just dealing with life after the disappearance and I feel like that is kind of what we're going on we're doing here.
1: Yeah. Except I think that the next however many years worth of Jeff Thorne's Green Lantern run is gonna be leading up to the power battery being destroyed.
0: Yes, agreed. It's like it's it's like, it's a it's a shitty prequel, uh in some <laughs> ways.
1: <laughs> well this is or no I'm expecting his run to be good. Maybe it's a shitty sequel. <laughs> sure. Fair <laughs> fair enough, yes. Um it's like if the original trilogy was bad,
0: which apparently you think because you're as mad. Oh, no, so, I think, uh, I, think
1: I think it's fine. I think it's good. It's just not as we're not really relit- good. We're not really getting. You brought it. Now. You brought it up. You I started know. it. Well, I, I can't. Um, I can't
0: let you just get off scot free when you say crazy shit. So anyway, go ahead.
1: When I say the things that are true, uh, no, yeah. That, I mean, I don't really have much else to say in regards to that. Um, I did like this story. Um, It's fun. It is fun. It's a fun pairing. A lot of interesting stuff in this, though. Um, These Guardians, I'm pretty sure, are like the Guardians from Grant Morrison's Green Lantern. Oh, yes. But we've already seen like a regular Guardian on the cover for the new Green Lantern book, which is interesting. Um, This also name drops uh, Joe... As well. Mm -hmm. um, Which is interesting. um, Suggesting that. that She has been around for a little bit. And you get. I thought that this story. Was particularly weird. Because it feels like. It is taking place in the present. Or like. One to two years away. From present max. Like Teen Lantern. Still seems really young. Like very similar to how they appear in Young Justice. I don't
0: think you're wrong about that, but I also think that makes sense because in that Guy Gardner story, there were like multiple years from yeah. when the power battery went out. So, and I we can only presume with the John Stewart story is many years after the power battery went out. Sure. So well, this... I, think,
1: I yeah, that that makes sense, but it's just like very we haven't had very many books that are set, you know, other than like the Batman Superman issue. Mm-hmm. I, everything is like generally at least like five years out, and this feels like earlier than that.
0: Yeah, this might be chronologically the first future state story we've read. Besides, it feels Time like it. Superman, yeah. yeah,
2: Vince, what you think of this? Um, well, I thought it was uh, much like Zach thinks of the Empire Strikes Back, it was just fine. Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, this is the Empire Strikes Back of Green Laner. Fuck conflict. you. We're not no, doing it, this again.
2: It was good. It was good. The art, the art was very good. I, yes. I, I like, I like the Sandy Tong. Um, I think it didn't feel like much of a story, but I think that's, I think that's by design. Like, uh, Teen Lantern gets lost and uh, is lost with Mogo in the void, and the story ends. It's kind of, it's kind of a downer ending. Um. But uh, but I I think it was, I think it looks great and I think it was made of the stuff of good Green Lantern stories, even if it's not a full story.
0: Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll agree I with liked that. It. I'll agree with that. Um, and the last story in this book is called Recon. This was the story that was supposed to be written by Christopher Priest, but then, you know, we have to have uh, our nice things taken away. And instead it's written by Robert Venditti illustrated by Dexter Soy, and I I only have one question about this, uh, beyond just saying, you know, that this is a typical Venditti script for Green Lantern. I like Venditti and other stuff, but his Green Lantern is dull as shit, and this script was not that interesting until sort of the last page reveal, which is we see Joe from... Um, I was going to say from Future State. It's not the name of that book. (laughs) Far Far Sector. Sector. And and she basically says, where were you when the core needed you? Now, here is the question that I have about this. Do we think that the Green Lantern is taking place during Infinite Frontier? Because here's why I'm saying that. We get the Guardians from that in the Dead Space story. And I wonder if Hal's disappearance is because he is doing the shit he was doing in the Green Lantern. And so that's so would, that would explain how things we've seen in that book are showing up in future state, like we just saw. And it would also um, explain why Hal is not in the Green Lantern title right now. It also doesn't kill him, which we thought was going to happen but it allows him to come back whenever Jeffrey Thorne wants him to, or it lets him be off the table for a very long time until, you know, Jeffrey Thorne's run is essentially over.
2: Well, I'm just, I am don't think I that's going to happen. I, but. I think you're right, but I take issue with that last part because... It says, like, to be continued in 2021? No, well, yes, but because future state is future state. that Jeffrey Thorne's run... Well, here's the
1: thing. Okay, I, I every state's run, I think, is moving towards future state. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm trying
0: to think. I'm trying to. Here's here's what I'll say, and then I'll let you say uh-huh. that. I feel like we're going to talk about Teen Titans later, but Teen Titans and Green Lantern are the two books that feel like these are that that, that, that the runs of those creators are going to be leading to the story we get here. Now, mm-hmm. I don't think we're getting the same story here, but I think the idea of the power battery going out is going to be part of Jeffrey Thorne's run. I think that Red X and his betrayal is going to be part of Tim Sheridan's Teen Titans run. And so I, I feel like there's just going to, we're just going to get we're going to get versions of those stories. Maybe not the same versions, but we're going to get versions of those stories.
1: Yeah. <sighs>
2: Okay, I yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think it's going to happen pretty fast. And so I don't I don't think it's I don't think we're gonna be able to say that like Hal is gonna be gone for the entirety of Jeffrey Thorne's run because I think I think the time they're gonna want to take to get to some of these future state, storylines is going to be uh, just a matter of a couple few months you know Mm
1: -hmm.
2: i don't think i don't think this is going to be a long drawn out thing because that kind of dampens the effect i think
1: i i think i kind of agree um what i mean i i could see if i could see it like being like a year though a
2: year Yeah, yeah that i i would say six months at the most but that we're splitting hairs
1: yeah,
2: it it occurs to me that I, I wonder if future state this would be this would be really ass backwards. I wonder if future state is a situation where some writers were, you know, told to come up with these pitches. And then they said, D.C. said to them, OK, the way you were going to have that first six issue arc end or that first 12 issue arc end your entire story stays the same except you got to change the ending now <laughs> you know what i mean and the, the the original ending is put out for future state and then now they're given a chance to build through past whatever ending they originally had that that seems really ass backwards to me but like it wouldn't surprise me if for the green lantern stuff the dying of the the power battery stuff is um the central conflict of the first part of his run and then they find out a way to circumvent it you know sure so that it so that it doesn't end up in this play I don't know I don't know yeah, maybe someone's gonna yell yeah. at us that we're not reading the solicits because we would know this already but
0: um. no I, I think that first of all um, solicits lie all the time and yes. also they're they're vague a lot of the time as well um, but no I I think that you're you are your central thesis is not wrong. I, I think it's the hardest part about this has almost nothing to do with the story. It's that DC is such a volatile environment right now, both like from the Warner Brothers, AT and all of that, and also because we're not we're not seeing the Didio leadership there anymore. And I'm not saying that he was a you know, the perfect leader, but I feel like there's, there's somewhat of a power vacuum right now. And you're seeing certain people pop up in more positions of power. I mean, I I think, you know, like Joshua Williamson is somebody who's been on the periphery of DC for a very long time, but since the deal has left, you've seen Williamson doing a lot more stuff. And so, I just think five books in the works. He says, "Yeah, exactly." So I, I just feel like you know, there's things are shifting there right now. So it's hard to tell exactly what what sort of the future is going to hold because we just don't know.
1: Uh, last thing I want to say on this last story, I, I I'm probably the person on this podcast who most enjoyed the Venditti Green Lantern run, especially like the pre rebirth stuff. Undoubtedly. Um, not necessarily like the trench coat stuff but like especially right after john's and then company left I, I really did like a lot of that stuff um so i i thought this was fine this hit some notes that i liked we got to see lar that was good um and dexter soy's art is really good and i'm very excited for him on uh the main green lantern book moving forward agreed
0: mm-hmm. doing a soy uh, face every month say.
1: <laughs> yeah we're gonna we're gonna be soy facing a lot yeah I'm doing it right now <laughs>
0: that brings us over to future J- F- state justice League number two. the main story of which is written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Robinson Roca. Um, so uh, Vince, why don't you start us off with this one?
2: oh, I love this i I, I give it five hot wet kisses out of five um i I think like if, if if I have any criticism, it's that the the stuff where they like use their what they know about one another to No, actually I think that stuff's I think that's pretty clever. It's a little overdone, maybe, where they like point to one another and say, Well, I know this about you, and so and the Martian never would, and so that's how I know that this one's a Martian and you're the real one or whatever. I, I think that stuff is like it's a little overplayed, but I think that's a clever way to, to, to deal with this uh, idea that the justice league has this mandate that they don't hang out with one another and they don't know one another personally. And it kind of flips that on its head. And I like that. And I love the closing scenes. Once they, once they get past the hyper clan and they talk about Joe says she's uh, taking the Martians to Earth Omega, which we gotta we gotta unpack that after you guys talk about uh, what you think of this. But then like they're gathering around this table, the, the Justice League table, and they're calling one another by their real names. And then they say, "Who do we invite to join? Enjo- Who do we invite to join our Justice League?" And it shows like Vixen, Crush, Guardian, Tim, um, Miss Martian, and I think Shadow Norman, and. Uh, I love that shit. Like that is, I want this to be
1: the Justice League
2: now, and I know Zach. I know you're with me.
1: Yeah, I I want I want this a lot. Oh well, um, me too, one hundred percent. Yeah. I. Uh, I'm just gonna tackle the Earth Omega thing. I have two ideas. Yes,
2: lay it on me. I've got one, one bad idea and one very yeah, good idea. I
1: think I do too. I think I do too. <laughs> The the bad, very uninteresting idea is that Earth Omega is just that like alternate dimension that they had already trapped the Martians in that they went to. The fire planet. Yeah. Oh
2: I've got got a different bad idea for uh, that.
1: Okay. That's my bad idea. My good idea is that this is the other Earth Omega is the opposite of Elseworld. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh Uh, it's because they said, you know, Williams that there were two new earths at like the center of everything. And in that recent Williamson interview where he, you know, mentioned that he's doing five books, they like the interviewer asked him specifically like what's the deal with this other earth and he he said, "Oh, we'll we'll talk about that more later basically." Mm-hmm. So
2: my bad idea for Earth Omega was that it was the the last night on Earth Earth the scott snyder oh gosh uh, because because that was omega right that guy that the bruce wayne and that the bruce wayne villain called himself omega i believe um i don't think it's that that's just that's just an idea i had and then the other fascinating idea i had was earth omega always used to be what they called pariah's earth from crisis Mm -hmm. interesting and so I I, I kind of I'm with you, Zach, that I think this other, uh, the opposite of Elseworlds or whatever. Um, I, I think I think that is maybe what she's talking about here. But I wonder if it has any connection, if if DC is embracing the the kind of fan. I believe that was a fan dubbed name for that Earth. I don't think they ever said that in continuity, but like over the years, Earth Omega has been used to refer to the earth pariah came from that was destroyed what if somehow in like the spinning out of death metal or whatever earth omega is like the opposite of elseworld because like elseworlds would be like all the other random stories that don't get slotted anywhere or whatever what if earth omega being the opposite of that is like the original earth That Pariah was from that was destroyed in the crisis that kicked all of this off you know that's That's probably probably not the case but
0: I just don't think DC would ever listen to the fans (laughs) no (laughs) I I I mean this is like how you know in the movie that's just okay the Empire Strikes Back there's that character that fans named Wilro Hood do you guys know who I'm talking about yeah. Yeah, so you're, you're you're basically saying this is like the Will Hood of uh of DC Comics where there's like a minor thing that fans picked up on it, and then Star Wars made a canon but I don't think DC does that
2: necessarily. Absolutely. I do wonder though, like shouldn't they have a name for that earth? Oh, sure, but you know, now that everything counts,
0: you're going to start seeing more of those earths get named. Yeah. Um my only critique of this issue, of this story rather, is that um I thought that the way that they got off of that fire planet was really lame where Flash is just like I'll share my speed with you let's get out of here like <laughs> it just it was just very it felt very rushed it felt like there was probably again a longer story here but we didn't get it so we did so Flash just shared his speed force or their speed force rather um yeah and yeah again minor Minor quibble. I really did enjoy the story quite a bit, uh, and we've said this in the past, but Robson Rocha is really leveling up mm-hmm. and just doing consistently really interesting and good work. Um, yeah. Anything else about this half of the story?
1: Mm. No, it was really good. I, I liked the character interactions a lot. I did not care much. Uh, the The use of the Hyperclan, I think was like of all the Morrisonian concepts, uh, the one I've been the one I'm least interested in and maybe like the least interestingly executed, but um, all the character stuff was really good. Yeah.
0: Um, I just saw a tweet that made me laugh, and I feel like you guys will appreciate it. <laughs> it's uh, hi, we're Marion Pippin, and this is Jackass
1: That's all Um,
0: Someone just said that to me. Um, All right, let's go over to Justice League Dark for a second. Written by Ram V, illustrated by Marcio Takara. Um, This this book, I would say, still somewhat suffers from the like the just super compressed storytelling um, of. taking a a miniseries and making it into one uh or two issues rather that said i think that ram v does an incredible job here with all the ground that is covered in this issue alone we also get the rarest of things a really good khalid dr fate story we got some good etrigan stuff I am very excited for Ram V to continue on with Justice League Dark because this has been really enjoyable. Zach, what did you think?
1: I think I'm just not really a Justice League Dark guy, and that's just how it's gonna be. I uh I I just um I just don't really care that much about a lot of these characters. Um and I just can't get excited about it. Mm.
2: I I think this is fantastic, Brian. I think I liked it. I mean, it sounds like you liked it a lot. I think I probably liked it a little less than you, um, only for one reason. And this is a Justice League Dark thing that I, get, I guess it's just the Justice League Darks deal, and it kind of annoys me a little bit. But every single, like, scrape that they get into is solved with some kind of, like... Um, complicated trade or like sacrifice they never just win with their like that's true with their skills (laughs) or with their i feel like that every time i read an arc like oh they're and i guess that's that is the grand bargain of magic right like that is the the justice league the dc comics thesis on magic is that like everything is a trade right every every time you use magic you it's like, it's like the Wonder Woman, uh, monkey's paw thing. Like you make a, w- the Wonder Woman 84, that, that awful movie, um, uh, you make a wish and something is taken from you, you know, like every Justice League dark conflict seems to be resolved, resolved in that way. So now we get Khalid like exiting to serve as, as a slave to Merlin or whatever, as long as everybody else gets to be free, you know? And that's fine, but like it makes it makes the resolution to every conflict in these books just such a downer, I think. Um, that said, I really like the the script and the characters. and for the most part, the way that they're used. The Marcio Takara art is great. Um, I, I like everything about this. I just wish they'd figure out a different way to kind of resolve some of these conflicts sometimes. Um, yeah, but maybe I, I, that's, maybe I, that's just what it is. So
0: I think that's a really fair point about the uh, sort of everything always being like a, a grand bargain. I think that's mm-hmm. absolutely correct. Um, that said, if that is like the, if that is the milieu that we're going to have these stories in, this did that very well yes um
1: um i want to i want to clarify my statement because i thought more about after i said it i said that i don't really care much for these characters i think i don't care for this configuration of these characters like individually i like a lot of these characters on their own but i'm i just like am so um just i guess kind of tired and exhausted of very samey justice league dark stories that are just these characters together doing these types of situations that resolve in similar like like Vince said magic monkey paw kind of ways I just I don't know this do you want formula a new, has you been, want a
2: new suicide squad
1: a new suicide squad well
2: like how the new how the, how the suicide squad is a new look. I get. Well, I, I just
1: maybe I actually just want like I don't know if I want a Justice League Dark book necessarily. Mm. Um, maybe maybe like a different yeah maybe not having like Zatanna and Constantine and you know the same the, the same characters who have been in this since like the New 52. That that might be interesting. Going back to maybe more like a Shadow Pact kind of thing. I would like to see a lot of these characters go do other things.
0: Um, I can agree with that. Yeah. Well, let's take a break. And when we return, we'll talk about the final books of this week. So stay tuned. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily.
1: I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster.
0: A Silent Voice.
1: And Pokemon Adventures.
0: We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note.
1: At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice.
0: And we are back. We're gonna do things slightly out of order. Because we're on a time crunch today As we're recording And so Zach has to hop off in a few minutes So we're going to jump over I know this is just boiling Vince's blood To do this out of alphabetical (laughs) order But that's okay Uh, We're going to talk about Future State Teen Titans Number two Written by Tim Sheridan Illustrated by Rafa Sandoval There is so much to talk about in this issue Um, This is, along with Green Lantern The book that seems like it's going to be the most uh, referenced in the run of the upcoming series. Um, Zach, you start us off here. What'd you think of this?
1: I, I adored this. I think Um, there's, I, I'm like a little reserved in my praise for this issue, just because, and we're going to talk about this. I know it's very vague. There's a lot of like, things that are hinted at having happened um and the mechanics of everything are kind of unclear but i really like this story i mean it's it's a dark story and dc i think in general has been pretty bad at telling this kind of story in continuity in a lot of ways this almost kind of feels like a new 52 story with the like the four horsemen characters but it's just so good to me and like uh sheridan does has done so much in these two issues and i think he really nails the landing in this one he kind of redeems the flash <laughs> miniseries for me a little bit um it's uh I, I like this a lot um i really like this cast I like that they use the H dial. Um, yeah, I I like this a lot.
2: Vince, same same. I I probably my favorite. Oh boy, besides Wonder Woman, I guess my favorite one too in the future state so far for all the reasons uh, Zach said. Um, there's there's so many different things that intrigued me about this that I want to see more of. And I think even a lot of the future state stories that I, I have liked or enjoyed, like I've said before, they're like perfect little bite-sized things. You 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 digest them and you're like, yeah, yeah, that, that was enough. I, that was exactly what I wanted. And that was perfect. Didn't overstay its welcome or whatever. I could see a long ass run out of this just because of all the stuff that tim sheridan packs in like there's so much of this that could have been its own six issue arc you know and there, i feel like there's three or four different things going on that that could have been that you know now i don't want his regular run to to decompress out i, I just i want it to be this flurry of ideas for as long as he wants to do it um the the whole fa- the fact that the spear of De- the acquisition of the spear of destiny thing took place in like one issue and it was basically a side story. We only saw part of that's great. That's, that's what I want. That's how I want these books to be written. You know, it's the same thing as when like Morrison will offhandedly mention something that could have an entire miniseries written about it, but all you get is a little piece. Yeah. That's, that's the good stuff. <laughs> that's DC to me. And, and, and so is this. So, and also uh Dick stroke.
0: <laughs> yes. Dick stroke is a good joke. Uh, yeah this is fantastic um this is so different from that flash mini series that Zach mentioned in that that flash mini series had a huge body count and it felt like the body count was really for no reason like there I know there were in-story reasons for it but it, none of the deaths felt earned and it all felt very rushed and sloppy whereas this has possibly a much bigger body count but every death even the deaths that occurred before the story started like donna troy's death whatever when they're referenced they're referenced in a way that makes them count this feels like a a series of gut punches over and over again for these characters that we know and love sheridan does such a job of installing these characters in the exact perfect spot i don't one thing I will complain about is just that I wish that this came out before the first issue of the Shazam miniseries, because it kind of kill. You know what Billy is going to do in this, mm-hmm. you know, because of that Shazam miniseries. But that's that's the way Future State is, and so be it. Um I love the way that Sheridan is writing Billy Batson, calling them like Mister Nightwing and Miss Raven and all that. Like that's <laughs> that's perfect. That's perfect Billy Batson stuff. And as you guys know, I am I am the Shazam boy. So this all makes sense to me. Um, I just felt this is such a promising status quo that we're being thrust into here. We never got the reveal of who Red X is, which I wasn't expecting. But we get a couple little hints. And I'm curious if you guys have any theories.
2: Uh, I don't. Zach and I were kind of kicking this around when he told me that he had read this. Um and I, and I thought like they kind of make it seem like it might be Miguel but it's not because like in an earlier scene Zach pointed out like they're he's carrying Miguel's body or whatever right yes but, he's like, but like he's
1: like blocking him from coming into the room when they're doing the little H dial seance
2: yeah but then like the red the, the red X at the end like seems to know a lot about the dial and all but doesn't look like Miguel at all. It also kind of looks like the way Rafa Sandoval draws Dick himself a little, you know, because it's kind of a very generic. So, like, one thing I thought of that couldn't possibly be true is, is this like a younger Dick somehow? I had the <laughs> same like... thought. Did you really? Yeah, this is an alternate Earth Dick. Yeah, it's like Teen Titans cartoon Dick. Yeah. Um, but then th- that seems really far-fetched to me. The thing, I think the one misstep in all of this is that usually when, when there is a mystery like that, when somebody's identity is important, if there ever is a reveal, they don't really show you the character if they don't want you to know who it is. You know what I mean? Right. But in this, you get a few shots uh, just straight of his face. You know, it's kind of covered in shadow a little bit, but like you see his eyes, you see his features, his hair, everything, you know. And they make a big deal in the in the panels leading up to it, in the pages leading up to it, of like him taking off the Red X uh, mask, right? But you're seeing him from behind, so you can't see his face yet. you know? All this artistic effort is given to making the reveal seem like it's important. But then when you actually see his face, you don't know who he is just by looking at him. And no other character or none of the narration or anything gives you an idea. And so, you know, Zach just – and I agree with him. He just chalked it up to, oh, this is something we'll learn in the Teen Titans run going forward. Yeah, I can accept that. Maybe that's the case. But then the art and the act of the reveal at the end kind of falls a little flat then if you're not supposed to know who this is, you know?
0: So I'm just I'm just gonna keep referencing things that Zach likes tonight. This kind of reminded <laughs> me, in a way of, um, and you're gonna to have to help with the name Zach. What was the name that in that in the flash forward in Lost? What was the name that Locke was going by? Jeremy. Jeremy Bentham. Jeremy Bentham. <laughs> I, I I feel like this is this is the Jeremy Bentham thing where like they're we know who that is, but they're trying to make us believe we don't know who that is
2: yeah I, I they should have kept the face in
1: shadow then they i mean they kind of do a well little but bit. like like fully F- so my my theory so i think before this it was like heavily hinted or implied that it was damien only because damien hasn't been in future state at all and and it just seems like a damien-esque move I think this is clearly not Damien and the fact that we know that Red X is going to be in Titans Academy and Josh Williamson is doing a Damien book where Damien's gonna be doing his own thing. I don't I don't think it's Damien. I kinda think this is gonna be a new character.
0: Well yeah. okay, the one the one thing I'll throw against that is that Williamson in that big interview he did with Newsarama did say that the Damien book's going to connect to some other books in ways we don't know yet.
1: Mm, okay. Then That's, it maybe it could still be Damien then.
2: It could still be Damien, but it seemed it seemed really weird when he was like when he took the mask off and he was like, Hello old friends or whatever when, when like the old Teen Titans members flew in, you know? It just didn't sound like Damien to me.
0: I, I don't think it's Damien. Um,
2: no, I don't think it is. I think it's I think it's uh, Teen Titans cartoon dick. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that that would be awesome if it is just like an alt universe dick or something. Uh, it
0: would it would make sense in Dick one Dick
2: having himself as his own sidekick.
0: Well, I mean that's yeah. that's fucking brilliant, right? But 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 I, I think that it makes sense in another way where you see like it's weird to me that they keep calling him Red X, but they call Raven Rachel and ever like they, they obviously have like this familial relationship with each other. But the one person you wouldn't do that, if there were two dicks running around, you wouldn't call them Dick 1 and Dick 2, right? You would you would probably call him by his, like, nickname or whatever. And so that, that kind of makes sense why everyone calls him Red X and no one's calling him, like, Steve or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this just sets up that Teen Titans Academy so nicely.
1: Mm-hmm. I really feel like this is, like, Teen Titans Academy feels like exactly what i wanted coming out of that uh death metal one shot towards the end with all the titans that ben yes. that brian brian notoriously hated I um, did not hate it yeah he said it was nowhere as good as future state batman superman number one um
0: i didn't say that but i will stand by that review. you <laughs> <laughs> um
1: it, it's like everything that i wanted coming out of that it's like this amalgamation or th- this this uh, this grouping of all of the different heirs of Titans coming together and interacting in really fun ways. Um, like, you, like you mentioned, you know, Billy calling everyone Mr. and Miss, <laughs> which is hilarious, um, but also kind of like uh, recognizing that there is an age hierarchy here. There is like an old guard, um, and it is, I mean, this is like one of the biggest illusions of change that I think we will have gotten in D.C. in a long time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, um, last thing I want to say about this is I mentioned last time how much I loved like seeing people like Bunker and uh, different eras of Teen Titans represented. And I've been thinking a lot about this because I feel like the Teen Titans was always the um, sort of the X-Men of D.C., like, when there was the big DC Marvel crossover in the early 80s, it was X-Men Teen Titans because they were both considered, like, the younger characters. And I feel like what X-Men has done that Teen Titans has not done is that even though there have been various eras of X-Men, each of them have their own distinct flavor, I feel like there is a more universal X-Men tone than there is a universal Teen Titans tone. But this does a good job of sort of establishing like an overarching – it, it, it connects some dots in a way that this feels like there's an overarching Teen Titans tone. Does that make sense?
2: hmm Do you yeah. guys
0: agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. So I'm very excited for this. Uh, anyway, well, we're going to take a quick break here, or a rare second break in an episode, and we'll be back in a minute with oh, more.
1: One thing before oh, I go. Okay, sure. Uh, Superman Wonder Woman is the best. It's it's the best. It's the single best. I don't <laughs> know. I won't get to talk about it, but it's the best one.
0: All right. We'll be back. And we are back uh, sans Zach for the last couple of episodes, uh, issues here. We're going to start with uh, Kara zor Superwoman number two, written by Marguerite Bennett, illustrated by Marguerite Savage. I was famously high on this last time. Uh, Vince, you enjoyed it, but you didn't like it as much as I did. What did you think of the second issue?
2: I, I liked it a lot. Um, it it felt super rushed, but I think like it's such a it's such a elegant sort of fable of a story about Superwoman that um, you know, I, I think we fill in the blanks ourselves by like just understanding how these stories generally go when it, this is almost reminds me of like uh, Marvel the End like, you know, yeah. X-Men, the end, or, you know, um, because spoiler alert, it ends, it ends with a shot of her and Crypto's gravestones, yep. <laughs> um, after, after having created a utopia, uh, by the way, uh, but I, I think it was a very lovely, uh, telling, and I think the, the art does a lot of that work for sure, um, but I think the scripting is pretty beautiful too. And I think that, I think the sentiment is, is, is really sweet. Um, That kind of this utopia that, that, that superwoman has created kind of uh, exists beyond her and is inspired by her. And it's a very, it's a very super DC, super Superman, superwoman thing to have happen. I think and uh yeah I thought it, I thought it was lovely
0: yeah I, I didn't enjoy this one quite as much as the first issue because of that sort of rushed feeling to it and and when we say rushed there's really only one thing that happens in this book but there was just so much dialogue and a lot of expository stuff to get to the end of this issue where they can where the creative team can sort of put Cara to bed or at least this iteration of her to bed um art is just fantastic you know there were a lot of things in the actual story that were fine but there's not a ton of like I I don't think there's a lot of ideas in here you can mine for other Kara stories this seems like a pretty singular version of this character the one difference between this and almost every other future state book we've gotten so far is that this ending feels like the definitive nail-in-the-coffin ending of these two creators telling a Kara story. Like, this doesn't feel like the prelude to another, uh, you know, um, Bennett Savage Kara story. This feels like truly the end of their tale with her. Do you agree with that? Mm-hmm. That's not a yeah. bad thing or a good thing. It's just It's just different than what we've seen with some of these other stories. Um, I wish I had more to say about this. I really do think the art is phenomenal, and I think that the status quo is a lot of fun, but it it just seems like one of the more disposable premises of Future State. All right, that brings us to Future State Robin Eternal, number two, written by Megan Fitzmartin, illustrated by Eddie Barrows. Um, So this was... uh, Dull. Like the last issue ended on Robin f- falling into the Lazarus resin, and we didn't know how that was going to turn out. And we still don't know how that turns out, really. We know it makes him strong <laughs> for now, but there's hints that maybe maybe he's gonna die. He falls into a, a body of water, but he's not dead yet. This, again, puts spoiler in the place where we see her in um, the... I believe it's in the next Batman, those backups, right? Um, yeah, the second issue. Yeah, the second and fourth issue. This is so boring, mm. we're both yawning talking about it. Um, yeah. And again, it's like that's just weird storytelling to have this come out after that issue. Uh, just doesn't make sense to me. I, I just... I. So much of the Gotham stories are just magistrate up the ass, and they, none of these stories add anything new to the peacemakers or the magistrate. Thing. We're just getting the same story told with different Bat characters at the center of it, and this is not one of the more interesting versions of that story.
2: Yeah, I think. Gosh, <laughs> this is one. This is one where. I feel like if you were not reading any of the other books and you just came along and you decided to pick, I'm only going to read one or two or three future state books. And I love Robin or I love Tim Drake. So I'm going to read this one. I feel like if you read it in a vacuum, you would think, okay, this is, this is pretty good. I can see where this is, you know, but in the context of everything else, it's just so boilerplate, you know, it strikes me as a comic that is not for somebody who's invested in continuity, even though it's set within the magistrate, whatever continuity, because I think like Tim is, is basically a blank slate in this. It's not, to me, this is not uniquely Tim Drake. Um, there's there's nothing about the character of Tim that we read here that that tells me, like, this is Tim versus any other Robin. The only
0: thing that makes it Tim um, versus somebody else
2: is that Spoiler is here. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Um, and I love Spoiler. I, I love Steph Brown. Um, I, I You know, there's a, there's a world where, like, Megan Fitzmartin writes a Steph Brown book, and I would read it. And I think, you know, maybe they should do that. But I don't have any interest in this version of tim because it's not really uniquely tim and it's just it's just boilerplate stuff it's like you, you even get the thing where like for some reason the lazarus goop is making tim uh recycle through his memories which is just an excuse to show like visions from tim's past but i don't think they're not like big moments for tim that I, I don't even know if they're don't real think moments they are. from DC Comics. Yeah, they're just manufactured as as in like, hey, here's some stuff that could have happened to Tim, uh, ten years ago or whatever, you know. So it's kind of weak. T. If if this is your Tim Drake book, there's not much here that makes it uniquely Tim, and then it comes off as a as a generic, uh, generic magistrate. Title and you know magistrate era yeah. Batman
0: <laughs> and to me that is such a crime because what is Tim Tim is two things among the Robins he's the best detective of the bunch and he's the tech one of the bunch and you would think that both of those skills could be really well used in this magistrate era and they use neither of them
2: yeah I mean I mean that it is kind of like a the Lazarus goop is like a techno organic resin, but it really doesn't involve it doesn't yes, it doesn't uniquely involve Tim's unique skills to deal with something like yeah. this. For sure.
0: Yeah. I, I think, you know, if if I were in charge of DC and clearly I'm not, I think like the two most important bat characters in Future State for these reasons would have been Barbara Gordon and Tim Drake. We're like those are the characters who <laughs> it seems like their specialties whether it's like the communication thing for you know for babs when she was oracle like connecting all the heroes or tim with his being able to get to the bottom of technological mysteries like those you could tell such interesting stories of those two characters and babs has been barely anything in future state and tim is written almost as if he's just any generic robin if you put Barbara Gordon in the spoiler spot, this could have been a Dick Grayson story. If you put, um, I don't know, I don't know who Jason or Damien's like love interest would be in this in this case, but but essentially you could you could swap out the main character here without too much difficulty, and that's that's rarely a good thing in a comic. Yeah. All right, uh, that brings us to our final issue of the week and one of the best. Superman Wonder Woman number two, written by Dan Waters, illustrated by Layla Del Duca. Uh, Zach mentioned how great this was. My my biggest note I have written here is just, it's so fun and it's so good. Go off, King.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> every every scene in this is, is like a wonderful little nugget on its own. Um, the thing where John wakes up in the fortress of solitude and, and Yara brought him there because, uh, he, he was rendered unconscious in the previous issue and kind of like, you know, the alarm system going off because Yara is not supposed to be there or whatever. Um, and this idea that every day John has to, uh, Force feed this black hole with with uh, this like energy cannon to prevent a like a constant black hole that's that's affecting the planets nearby, and potential and like if it goes on too long it's gonna suck them in. If he feeds it with this energy, it eventually vomits back up and kind of undoes the progress that it made throughout the day so um i i like i love those little ideas i think dan waters is probably full of ideas like that um i would love to see him on a on an ongoing book because every element of this is so good the race i'll i'll let you talk about some of it but like the race of superman versus the sun god kuat or whatever mm-hmm. his name is um Everything is just so so warm and fun and funny and great. And Layla Del Duca's art is incredibly attractive and warm to look at. And yeah, it's oh man, it's great. It's it's like Zach said, it's the best. I don't know if it's the best, but it's 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 the best. So <laughs> in the general sense, uh,
0: for real DC Three Cast heads out there, you're you're gonna love the reference I'm about to make know in a really particular way this reminds me of rebirth uh the trinity number one issue that we loved so much be what we loved (laughs) about that was that it felt like the most important part of the relationship between superman batman and wonder woman was not that they were in the justice league together but that they were friends that they had there was this like personal history there that so oftentimes have been glossed over in the interceding years between Flashpoint and uh, Rebirth, and in a way, this this is like the antidote to the uh, Future State Justice League by Josh Williamson, where it's the characters like just learning to trust each other. This this skips over the getting to know you phase and brings John and Yara into this place where they know each other very well. And they have a really touching friendship. And I was I was afraid, not that it would be the worst thing in the world, but I was afraid this was going to try and put romance between the two of them. And I'm glad it didn't. Not that, again, like, there is a long history of Superman-Wonder Woman romances, right? And I don't think that's the end of the world. It just seems to me like it's a uh, it's much more interesting to just make these two platonic friends. And I really enjoyed how much they care for one another. And, you know, they're basically, you know, the reason that there's the race between Superman and the Sun God is because that was supposed to be Wonder Woman, but they realized that each of them was better suited for the other one's challenge. And so they they swapped challenges. And that's just, it wasn't a, a big deal, wasn't made of it. It was just a lot of fun. And my God, Del Duca's art is so beautiful in this. Mm-hmm. future state has had an embarrassment of artistic riches the fact that we are down on tom rainey's art and that's perfectly crumpulent superhero art you know uh just shows how high the bar has been for the art in this event
2: yeah yeah lots of these artists uh doing a uh, little two issue stints here that i i hope I mean, Leila Del Duca is good enough to be doing creator her own work and and owning the work she does, and you know that that's awesome. But like for selfish reasons, I just want to see so many of these artists on a little bit longer here at DC. You know, yeah.
0: um, I I got the impression from that Josh Williamson interview that we're gonna be seeing a bunch of new books released over the course of the year. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of these creators are going to wind up on some of those titles. Um, Again, we've mentioned this in passing, and I don't think this is breaking any confidentiality to say this, but we've been getting these review copies earlier than we normally do. And it seems like that, you know, Future State was all basically done by the time the first issue came out. And that is just not how comics tend to run. But it seems like DC is committed to, to more forward planning of this stuff going forward, and if that's the case, then you can, then you can see. Okay, well, everyone loved. I have not read one bad review of Superman Wonder Woman yet. Maybe it's out there. I have seen everything I've seen has been good, but maybe someone sees that and says, you know, maybe Dan Waters and Leila Del Duca can be on a, a Trinity book that is Jace and Yara and John. You know, m- maybe there is opportunity for these for these creators to continue with these stories a little bit. So mm-hmm. we'll see. That Trinity book would be infinitely interesting to me, by the way.
2: Yeah. Yes. That'd yeah. be awesome.
0: So I, you know, we're not going to spend too much time on this because because we don't have Zachy Boy here. But overall, how'd you feel about this week?
2: Um pretty good I think. Uh you know, I kind of I mean mid, middle of the road in that there were some books, a couple books I absolutely loved and you know, maybe two I didn't care for so much and the others were average and I think that's yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, I agree with that. So that, that that's all you can that's all you can ask yeah, for. Yeah, I, I don't think this was
0: the best or worst week. I think that this week's number 2 issues felt a little bit more complete than last week. so i feel like last week really left a sour taste in my mouth with how how fast everything seemed to be wrapping up uh, and, and this this week mm-hmm. seemed to handle that a little bit better and, and maybe that's because you know we had a number three we had two stories that are clearly leading into the infinite uh frontier stories and you know so i don't know but yeah um vincy do you have handy what's coming out next week
2: I Look do. I Um I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for once in my life. Um, we've got Catwoman number two. We've got Immortal Wonder Woman number two. We've got Nightwing number two. We've got Shazam number two. We've got Superman Worlds of War number two. And we've got the next Batman number four. That is. Um, I feel like that should be the last week, but there's one more week, isn't there? I believe there's one more week because we, we still don't have uh, Dark Detect. Well, yeah, because Dark Detective 4 will need to come out. Batman, Superman, Aquaman, yeah, Legion. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right, yeah. There's yeah.
0: Um, I can't believe how fast this event has gone by for us. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you for listening, folks. We appreciate it. Uh, if you need to get in touch with us, two-thirds of us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at nap. Zach is at LookerFox. Fox. If you need to find Vince, the only thing he's using the internet for these days is stonks. So <laughs> fi- find him on Robinhood. You can probably deduce his username on Robinhood.
2: And uh, yeah, are there usernames
0: on Robinhood? I don't know how this works. I
2: don't know. I don't know. All I, all I know is all I know is I'm hashtag Bitcoin hashtag Dogecoin hashtag Freethinker hashtag Unfiltered. Hashtag Joker coin. <laughs> Hashtag feet. Hashtag crypto.
0: You're, you're joking, but there is a non-zero percent chance by the time this episode goes live a week from now, Joker coin will be a thing. <laughs> so uh, thanks Indeed. for listening, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.
2: We're not doing Nor'easter here. The... Uh... <laughs>